And what I love about Alice is she thinks about muffins all day long, and she dreams about muffins all night long, and she invents new kinds of muffins. And she and I have this, these amazing theological conversations about muffins like several times during the week, and we, we talk about it, we plan for it. You know, she says, I'm going to try to do this. And I say, okay, I'll be here tomorrow, and I'll, I'll try it. And I, I'll give her advice and feedback. And, uh, and so we, we have this whole thing going on. Uh, and so when I sat down the other day, she was at a table having a cup of coffee, having a cup of coffee, and Alice says to me, I'm thinking about making pumpkin bars. Her pumpkin muffins, by the way, are amazing. I'm thinking of making pumpkin bars. And she looked wistfully into the air, and she said, I'm just waiting for the pumpkin. Now, the pumpkins are just down the street. There they are. It's like a mile away. You go get the pumpkins. I'm just waiting for the pumpkins, as if the pumpkins are going to, like, magically get up and fly into perked up, you know, so that she can do this. She said, I'm waiting for the pumpkins. And when she said that, I just had this thought. Everybody is waiting for something. You're waiting for something. I'm waiting for something. We're all waiting for something. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I'm going to suggest this morning that you're waiting for something very significant. Let's go back over a couple thousand years to the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 1, reading it from the message, there's all this activity going on and God's looking down at everybody and he sees all this running back and forth and all this stuff and people jumping up and down, people going this way and that way. And, and, and he says these words, he goes, why this frenzy? Why this frenzy? It's as if he's asking, what are you doing? What are you doing down there? Are you, are you really paying any attention? It's almost like he's asking, what are you waiting for? I've, I've given you opportunities. I've given you visions. I've given you a track to run on. And you're just like running around like you don't know what's happening. Why this frenzy? Let's pick it up in Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 17. God's asking, when you come before me, whoever gave you the idea of acting like this, running here and there, doing this and that, all this sheer commotion in the place provided for worship. So they're, they're running all over the place, but they're missing something. And it's very frustrating to God when we really miss it. I can't quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, 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 meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. What is God saying? If all you want to do is fill up the air with words, if all you want to do is check off boxes and kind of go through the motions, this, this doesn't sit very well with me. I'm about so much more than that. Meetings, meetings, meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this. Meetings for that. I hate them. You've worn me out. Imagine God saying, you've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, 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 while you go right on 
sinning. And sinning in, in Hebrew culture wasn't so much doing bad stuff as it was missing the good stuff. You missed the mark. The definition of, of sin really is missing the mark. You had a, a target. You had a bullseye. You, you had alignment with what God was going to do. And you knew what God was going to do. And then you went, you veered off this way. You veered off of doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. What is his will on earth as it is in heaven? That's a good question. We're going to see in just a minute. He says this, when you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. Imagine a bunch of people praying and God's like this. He's just looking the other way. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I'll not be listening. And do you know why? So he's going to tell you why. And do you know why? Because you haven't been taking care of people. Because you've been tearing people to pieces. Your hands are, are bloody. That, that could mean figuratively. It could mean literally. You're just, you're just taking things so superficially. You don't even think about what you're supposed to really think about. But you think you are. And I'm looking the other way because you're so disconnected from what I'm all about. Go home and wash up. Get cleaned up. Clean up your act. Sweep your lives clean of your evil doings, of missing the mark. Get that out of here so I don't have to look at them any longer. And then he defines it very specifically, very succinctly. Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless. Go to bat for the defenseless. I like what the NIV does with this. Isaiah 117 in the New International Version. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless, the orphans. Plead the case of the widow. So you see God's looking down. He's going, if it's if you just think it's all about you, if you just think it's all about you feeling better and you doing good and you getting what you want and your agenda and your expectations for what you're supposed to receive and what you're not receiving, you've missed the whole point. You might as well just get out of here. I'm looking the other way. I'm not even paying any attention to anything anymore. James, the brother of Jesus, who was the head of the First century church in Jerusalem put it this way, James 1, 26 and 27. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless. You see, that action, reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. Don't let the world sway you back to thinking it's all about you. The NIV puts it this way, real religion is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And so in a span of hundreds of years, as God speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and God speaks through James in the first century early church. He's basically telling us the same thing. It's 
It's got to be more than just meetings. It's got to be more than just going through the motions that make us think about our spiritual fulfillment. 1,800 child deaths every day are linked to water sanitation and hygiene. 2,000 children aged five and under die every day from a water-related disease. 2,000. 443 million school days are lost each year due to water-related diseases. More than one-third of Africa's population lacks access to safe drinking water. Most of the world's population, this is an average across the globe, most of the world's population spends up to three hours a day to get the water they need to survive. How much time do we spend? We just walk down the hall and we get it. We just walk over here into the bistro and we can have water, we can have coffee, we can have just go any floor in this building. There's water. It's everywhere. And then there's also a statistic that I didn't put on the screen that a mother and her daughter on average around the world spend up to six hours a day just getting the water that they need to survive that day. So if you get up at six in the morning, get up at dawn, then you're going to work until noon, till lunchtime to get the water that's necessary to carry you through until it gets dark and you go to bed. If we did nothing other than provide access to clean water, we could save two million lives a year. By 2025, 1.8 billion people will be living in countries or regions with absolute water scarcity, and two-thirds of the world's population could be living under water-stressed conditions. Let me take you back to 2010. You were just back in 2010 when you saw that video with the, the Rascal Flats song. Um, we were challenged to go to West Africa that year with a team to try to bring a well, and you saw it, to this one village. And it was, it was just incredible what happened because before we went, they said, you're not gonna get water, it's not gonna happen. You saw a, a visual miracle that we got water and that it did happen. But when we went, we were, the people were telling us, it's just not gonna happen because there is granite 40, 50 feet down. You're not gonna get through the granite. You're not gonna get the water. And so the Sunday that I was there, that was on a Friday, I believe, or a Saturday. The Sunday that I was there, I had to, I had to speak in an outdoor church to about 500 people. And, and I had to tell them that we came to do this well. And they were all expectant and excited that we were there and we we're gonna do this well. And I had to believe God for doing it when everybody said, it's not gonna happen. And all I could draw on was my understanding of the Bible. Everything that I really know for sure I have read in the Bible, I have internalized from the Bible. God has taught me the main principles for, for life and living and faith and growing through the Bible. And I remember Nehemiah in the second chapter where it says the God of heaven will give us success. When they're facing an insurmountable obstacle, they're facing the task of doing something that nobody's been able to figure out for decades. It looks like they're not gonna be able to do it and they're getting criticized for even trying. And, and Nehemiah says, the God of heaven will give us success. And that's what I said on that Sunday. The God of heaven 
will give us success. And if you could have had some kind of an x-ray camera looking at the inside of my head or my heart, you would have seen this very thin thread of faith that I was holding on to. Because everybody said, mm-mm, ain't going to happen. You came all this way for nothing. They gave us like a parade going into the village. It was like stunning. So we get there that last day. We get the water because God knew it was there on top of the rock. And the people were so overwhelmed with joy. We started out saying one well changes everything. And one well did change everything for that moment. But then I realized a couple years later when, when Pastor Michelle said to me, but we need big water. And I'm, I was first of all like, what? Big water? Big water. We need big water. And, and he was saying, you've given us one faucet for all these people to get their water from. One faucet. And, and we've got to do better than that. And it would be the same as if we had one faucet in this building and you all had to go to that one faucet for everything. And, and, and you would say, um, I don't really like this church. I, I kind of like, I think I like a church with faucets. Um, the theological issue of faucets is kind of bugging me. So, so we go, oh, so the big water. And so we did that big well and, and we were able to celebrate that. And then we put a top on the big well and we celebrated that back in January. And this is like 21 seconds of that celebration. tower is like the Empire State Building in that area of West Africa. It's like imposing. It just, it just makes a statement. It makes a statement that somebody thought bigger. Somebody cares. Somebody is there for us. God is there for us. And so there were prayers. That celebration went on for almost two and a half hours with that same level of music and singing. There was dancing. Uh, the national news media came out from the Capitol, and, and I was on the evening news, National African TV, um, NTA. But it was just this overwhelming sense of somebody thought to do something. You see, it's not just meetings, meetings, meetings. It's to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God, to remember orphans and widows in their distress, to remember that people have great needs, and to go out and to do that work is doing what God has asked us to do. You know, I remember the, the day that, that I asked Michelle the question, what is your dream? And he said, my dream is to save my village. And my head was spinning when he said that because I didn't know what that meant. My dream is to save my village. And then he immediately said, will you help me? And all of a sudden, I am like grabbed and yanked into his dream. And, and I didn't know where I was going for a moment. I just knew something was happening that was bigger than me. I didn't know that what I was waiting for had arrived. What I was waiting for to, to give time and energy to, what I was waiting for to define the moment for people who had so little, it just, it just showed up. And so that's when we, we moved on. And if you want to hear the rest of that story about what we are doing, you just go to togonetwork.org and you can hear the rest of that story. But what I want to do right now, what I want to do right now is 
show you some pictures. Get, hit him with the Togo Network, AJ. And then I want to show you some pictures, and I want to tell you a story. Today, what we're going to do is bend the curve. We learned about bending the curve at the Global Leadership Summit this year. Bending the curve is when you are in the same endeavor, but you start to think a whole different way from the normal curve of the way things are going. Usually we see curves going this way. This is going backwards. We're thinking inside the box, but in a different way. And here's how we're going to restart missions. You see these kids? We're going to do today, out in the lobby, what's called a reverse adoption. We're going to take your picture and we're going to bring it to West Africa. We're going to let these kids choose a family to be a part of. We're going to let an orphan choose you. We're reversing the curve. It's counterintuitive. Usually we choose a kid and we say, we're going to do this kid for you know umpteen months or years and we're going to support this kid and adopt this kid. But this is whole different way of thinking. We're going to take your picture today. If you want to participate for $20 a month to make a kid's life totally change for $20 a month. I spend about five bucks a day when I go and get coffee. This is like less than a dollar a day for a whole month. You're going to change one of these kids' lives because they are going to adopt you. And I'm going to take all your pictures and I'm going to lay them out. We just did this at the first service. We got 35 individuals and families decide to get adopted by a kid. And we're going to lay all these pictures out and we're going to get, gather all the orphans there and we're going to say, what family do you want to be a part of? And the little girl is going to go, I want to be a part of that family. I like that they have a little girl just like I'm a little girl. The little boy is going to say, I want to be a part of that family. That man looks like he's strong and I need somebody to be a strong daddy in my life. And these kids are going to choose you. So if you want to reverse the curve, if you want to restart missions in your life, then you please go out and have your picture taken and sign up for that today. What are you waiting for is what God said to me. I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine. We don't just work in global far-reaching places like West Africa and Nicaragua and in Pakistan, uh, we work locally, and we work locally in partnership with the Judeo-Christian Outreach Center. Todd Walker is the executive director of the JCOC. He's been here before, and here's the guy that used to protect John Elway, and now he protects me, and here's, to here's Todd Walker. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Truly blessed to be here. I um, wanted to share a little bit about what with you about what we've been doing and some of our highlights this past year. Um, many of you know our ministry is to address hunger and homelessness in our community. And we do that in a variety of ways. Our dining hall program, in our dining hall programs last year, we provided over 100,000 meals to people in need in our community, amen. Now for many who were homeless, that may have been the only meal they had that day. And so it gave us an opportunity to love on them, to educate them, to help make the help start their transition out of homelessness. And then for many of the families that took advantage of that resource, it allowed them not to have to make a decision between paying rent 
and buying groceries. And we also have several housing services that we help homeless get out of their situation. We helped over 200 homeless individuals access housing last year. So we actually put keys in their hands to be able to go into an apartment. And that's been awesome. One of our new programs is, I don't know if people are familiar with the Day Support Center, the Lighthouse had been doing that for years. And we took over that service last year. And it allows us to engage homeless individuals uh, who come in for services that want to do laundry, um, to use computers to look for jobs, those type of things, take a shower, allow us to engage them to get housing services as well. Because there are some homeless who are in the community who have yet to make that decision. But at least we're in a situation now where we can extend our arms even further in the community. So when they come in, we can help move them forward uh, so they can start on, get on the journey to get housing as well. Uh, one thing I do want to do this morning is ask for your prayers uh, for one of our biggest challenges. Many of you who have seen our campus, it's extremely old, falling apart. We're putting Band-Aids on everything. And so on our current footprint now, we're looking to build 38 affordable housing units. There's not enough affordable housing in Virginia Beach, especially for individuals who are coming out of homelessness and, and uh, living in below the poverty level. And so God has really gave us the vision to do this. We'll go before the Planning Commission on October 9th. So next month on the, the second Wednesday of the month at noon at City Hall, we'll be going before the Planning Commission to, uh, to, to, to uh, get permission to be able to move that process forward. Um, right now we have 51 beds in our emergency shelter. 36 of those 58 individuals would be eligible for that housing if it was available today. So that tells you just how important it is. So keep us in prayer for that. Uh, we will continue the dining hall programs. I wanna put it out there to all of you now, JCOC is not moving. JCOC is not closing. We're going to be here. We're going to continue to make an impact in our community. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Let's just uh, let's pray for let's pray for Todd right now. Dear Heavenly Father, give Todd all the strength he needs. Give Todd all the wisdom he needs to lead the JCOC to pull together a variety of different people that can make the right things happen for the right reasons at the right time. Father, guide him and bless him in an abundant way, for he has reached out to the homeless, as is your command. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Todd. Amen, Todd is doing a great job under you know, a lot of stress and pressure all the time. We're going to take a walkout offering today for the JC. If you'd like to give something as you leave today, it'll go to the JCOC. It'll be a real encouragement to Todd. They're having a big banquet on October the 18th. I'll be praying at that banquet. We'll have a table or two at that banquet. You're certainly invited to be a part of that. About 20 years ago, they will have actually their 20th anniversary in the spring here at Spring Branch. We did their 15th anniversary five years ago. We had Michael Jr. here. It was a spectacular time. It was a great moment. Uh, and we uh, celebrate with them the 20 years. But it all started with one orphanage. And maybe there were 50, 60 kids there. John Caldwell and I were on a trip. We had already sent a couple teams of our student ministry 
folks down there, our, our son Travis was there, his, his wife Nina was with him at the time uh, as they were just in high school together. And, and it just began to, to develop and get bigger and bigger and bigger. When I saw it, I said, oh my, we wouldn't allow this for any of our children. We wouldn't allow our kids to sleep in rickety old beds with paper thin sheets that you could see right through. We wouldn't allow our kids to, to eat meager meals. We wouldn't allow our kids to have horrendous bathroom conditions. Then why as Christian men and women are we allowing it here? And so we started Orphan Network and, and that story is just a very touching, amazing story. Uh, Orphan Network is also in the lobby today where you can talk to them about child sponsorship. But I wanted to bring the director of Orphan Network from Nicaragua, Eddie Morales, here this morning with some kids. So here he is, Eddie and the kids from Casa Bernabe. Wow, 20 plus years ago, it all started here at Casa Bernabe with a group of your kids coming from Spring Branch, Virginia Beach. At that time, we wouldn't imagine what God was going to do, but he is great. And today we have a ministry that started here, but today we are in the whole nation serving 20 plus thousand children. Thank you so much, Spring Branch, for starting this. Thank you so much for changing the life of the children in Nicaragua, for creating hope and a future for our children. Thanks for making a difference in this country. You're awesome. We cannot thank you enough for helping us to change the life of so many children. And it is working. Over all these years, you have changed so many lives. Dozens, hundreds of children have gone through our, all of our orphanages, and their life will never be the same again because of you. It is working, and it is going to continue to work because this is God's ministry. God used you to start this ministry, and it's working. Together, we will continue to change the life of children in Nicaragua. And as an example, we have Kimberly with us today who grew up here, who is in college today. She is studying her degree in education. And I'm sure she would like to say something to you as well. Thank you, Spring Branch, for changing our lives. So thank you very much for making this world a better place for our children. Orphan Network, 20,000 children every day in Nicaragua. Richard Stearns wrote a book a few years back called The Whole in Our Gospel. It's kind of an interesting title, isn't it? It's like we have the gospel, and we know how important that is. And Jesus told us to go out into the whole world with it. But Stearns, who was the president of World Vision at the time, said, uh, we have a hole in our gospel. He was talking to a group of pastors in Malawi. Malawi is on the eastern side of Africa. It's about 2,600 miles away from Togo. Uh, and they, these group, this, this group of pastors in Malawi put together a list of all the ministries that they were doing. They were doing children's ministry and young adult ministry and visiting the sick and trying to do everything that they could in their church like all good churches want to try to do. And then he said, well, put together a list of the challenges that you face. And here's the list of the challenges. Lack of funds for supporting orphans. 
lack of medicine for orphans, lack of food for orphans, lack of transportation to visit the orphans and the aged. Stearns writes, this paints a pretty vivid picture of the real contrast between our churches and theirs. Over there, the church is facing the greatest challenge of their generation, but they lack the critical things they need to prevail, the critical things that they need to get on top of all this. And here is the church in America brimming with the very skills, influence, and resources so desperately needed. He writes, if we are truly dedicated to the Great Commission, the Great Commission is taking the gospel to the whole world. If we're truly dedicated to the Great Commission, then we will first have to do something about the Great Omission. And that's what he calls the hole in the gospel, that we have forgotten. We don't think enough about how can we move into that? What can we do? And God is saying, what are you waiting for? We're all waiting for something. And some of the things that we're waiting for, we don't even realize it until they show up. We go, ah, that's what I was waiting for. Remember what James said, real religion, real religion is this, reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight, look after orphans and widows in their distress. Remember what God said through Isaiah, meetings, 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 what's going on? You're going this way, you're going that way, you're missing the bigger issue. It's not all about you, it's about so much more, it's about remembering those who are marginalized, who need something that you could provide if you realize that this is what you've been always waiting for. Last week, I gave you six life-changing vision words. This week, I'm going to give you six life-changing mission words. They happen to be the same six words. God can, I can, we can. Let's restart missions. Let's bend the curve and let a kid adopt us. Let's be the sponsor of a child at an orphanage in Nicaragua. Let's, let's encourage Todd with this work that he's doing so humbly, working with homeless individuals and families right here in Virginia Beach. Let's restart missions and let's do this to God's honor and glory because he gives us this responsibility and he calls us into these opportunities. I remember being in Nicaragua long ago and watching a, a little kid sweep up the floor after lunch. And that 60 kids had had lunch. There was a lot of food on the floor. And, uh, and this 10-year-old this kid's got this broom and the broom has bristles here and bristles here and there's nothing in the middle, big hole in the broom, okay? Uh, and I'm watching this agonizing work of like sweeping the floor, and I go, how can we allow this? Why doesn't somebody just go buy a broom? And you can almost hear God saying out loud, Michael, go buy a broom. Buy one that's three or four feet wide. We'll get the job done in five minutes. This kid could go out and play instead of being stuck here. Whenever we ask that question, I always call it broom theology. Whenever we ask that question, we're connecting to the very heartbeat of God. So do a reverse adoption. 
go out and meet some of those folks from Orphan Network that are here today. Ted Draper's here. He's the executive, uh, he's the COO, Chief Operating Officer. And, uh, and think about Todd, who's living right here, struggling all the time, and say, God, is this, is this what I'm waiting for? Dear Heavenly Father, we're all waiting for something, and yet you keep showing up and showing up and showing up in our lives. You give us opportunities to grow. You give us opportunities to stretch. You give us opportunities to mature. And then you say, now this is not about you. It's about meeting a broken and needy world in the gaps. Father, help us to see those gaps and to meet children in those gaps and men and women in those gaps. Help us to be everything that you have called us to be in Christ. Allow us to remember the words of Christ who said, as much as you've done it to the least,